from Heather and I. Thank you, thank you, thank you for loving us and our family. Thank you to the Smiths and the Woods that walk with us every day and help us. Come on, somebody. We're thankful for them. And a host of others. Some of you know, some of you might not know. I, I, I don't want to talk about Heather and I. We're just appreciative. But we have, we have staff and families that work tirelessly at MAG. And when I say tirelessly, I mean consistently 75, 80 hours a week. And that's why they're here. That's no exaggeration. And that's just the hours they're putting in on the, on the campus. Never mind what goes on at home prepping just to be here. And I appreciate the staff of this church. Would you give them a hand this morning? We're going to turn to 1 Corinthians 12. And as we do, can I just read my thoughts to you this morning? I shared them on social media yesterday. I do that often if I have a thought. What does a pastor, this pastor, what does this pastor appreciate on Pastor Appreciation Day? 51 years old, and all I've ever known is church life in the Assemblies of God. Not that that makes the Assemblies of God special, that's just where I was raised. <laughs> Literally, my whole life is invested in this fellowship and its people. I love my church and my fellowship and the life that it has afforded me. I can't imagine where I would be without its teachers and its preachers. Forty-three years of my years in the church were spent on the pew side of the pulpit, and I consider this to be my greatest asset as a pastor. I know the people. I know how you think. I know how you feel. I understand what you understand, and I know the things that you can't understand from that side of the pulpit. Most pastors will never have the advantage that I have in this regard because they've started much younger and have spent most of their adult life in Bible college and credentialed ministry. I've witnessed the pinnacles of revival. And the, and the paralysis of dead religion. <laughs> I've seen the best of what God can do through people and the damage that cold and calloused hearts can inflict on the struggling. I've been a pastor's headache <laughs> and no doubt inflicted pain along the way. I've been lost in the euphoria of spiritual highs and then had to repent and apologize after many immature, fleshy, and emotional conflicts. I have experienced abuse from those in spiritual authority so dark that nothing but the grace of God kept me from walking away. Some of you have probably experienced that too. And believe me, that's what it is. As a minister, I've sat and listened to dozens of pastors share through tears the nightmares that are rogue, power-hungry, narcissistic bullies that cause themselves servants and deacons have put them through. I've seen people who were supposed to be leaders that ministers can look up to be so cruel that I question their salvation. I've been accused of being a troublemaker and a pot stirrer, among many other things. When I stood up with the courage of my conviction for what was proper instead of politically expedient. And still, the things that placed me in this fellowship caused me to be faithful, to stay, and to answer the call. As a pastor of three churches, I appreciate that I've never had a single conflict with the board. Never once. Under the most challenging of circumstances that a church can endure, a painful transition 
a large building project, catastrophic storm damage, pandemic, not one conflict. I'm more than appreciative for that. Church, mag, board, <laughs> I'm blessed. Mauriceville Assembly of God, I feel like a, I pastor the best church on the planet. It's healthy, it's vibrant, and alive. It's growing not just numerically, but spiritually. The board, the staff, the volunteers, the congregation support my family and me fiercely. They see the goal. They support the ministries of MAG in every way possible. And I, and I appreciate that I don't have a single horror story to share with other preachers. I tell them that all the time. I have dinner, conventions, conferences, around a group setting of my friends, pastors, colleagues, contemporaries, not a single story, not a single horror story to share with other preachers. Heather and I are truly living the dream. Appreciation hardly tells the tale of how we feel about this body we are privileged to serve. Mag Church, along with our natural family, is our world. Thank you for loving us, all of us, and allowing us to be called your pastors. We love you, and we thank you for all of it. We appreciate you. If you don't mind, I'm not going to preach my prepared sermon. I know that shocks some of you. But I feel like we're, and this morning, that we're just going to address some of the things that we talked about earlier. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13, or 12, 13, and 14. We'll be here till about 6 o'clock, so we might not have service tonight. I'm kidding. <laughs> Will you let me just hit some highlights? Because there's people that need the information. There's people that need the word. What's beginning to happen at Mag Church is nothing short of a sovereign move of God. Do you realize that? Verse 12, we'll start out with the emphasis, or chapter 12, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. The reason we're going to do this this morning. Trying to follow the leading of the Spirit. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. Man, they were something else, church. If you go read about the Corinthians, they were something else. They were worse than the folks from Bridge City. <laughs> Kidding. Kind of. <laughs> He says, now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. He's talking to the church. Listen to what he says. I would not have you be ignorant. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. When he uses brethren, he's talking to the church. I would not have you... Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant. And that's largely the church world's problem concerning spiritual gifts, as we are willfully ignorant. Most of the time, purposefully ignorant. Paul addresses two Things in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he tells you what the gifts are. And there's two sets. How many of you Pentecostals know that there's two sets of gifts? There's the manifestation gifts of the Spirit that we've witnessed this morning. And there are the ministry gifts to the church. Are you ready? You know that you were Gentiles carried away with these dumb idols, even as 
you were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are, that's an important word, are, not was. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations. That means varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. He's addressed both things I've told you about already. The manifestation gifts of the Spirit and the ministry gifts to the church. He said he would not have you be ignorant. And there are varieties or, or diversities of operations. But it's the same God which works in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit by all. Now can I stop there quickly? The manifestation of the Spirit is given to who? He's talking to the church. So the audience, the every man is, is the saved. And in this politically correct society, we know that in real literature, that when it addresses it as, as masculine, that it's addressing mankind. That includes women, male and female. Listen to the, then there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which operates in all. Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. But the gifts of the Spirit are for you. For one Spirit, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. Who's the giver? I'm not spitting and screaming this morning. The Spirit. The reason I, uh, we're going here, the Spirit would lead this way, is because of the gifts of the Spirit that has already been in operation in this service today. And because hungry lives are seeking God and the power of God, but they're afraid of the power of God. They've been told it doesn't exist today. We've been told, I've got a question though, I've always had the same question, is why in the world do we pray to a God that we don't believe it will answer it? Why in the world will you call and ask me to pray for your child, your husband, your spouse, whoever, my friend who has cancer, my friend who has back problems, my son who is lost? Why anybody would you answer me the question, why we pray when we no longer believe that the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, that God no longer does what He done in the New Testament. Why do you pray? That is dead religious exercise. If you do not believe that God hears and answers prayers and He's the same that He's always been. Jesus Christ, the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. I am the Lord your God, and I change not. But the manifestation is given to every man, verse 8, for it one is given the spirit of a word, by the spirit a word of wisdom. All of these things that we're about to name are a supernatural event given by the power of the Holy Spirit to a believer at the time that it is needed. It's not something you come up with on your own. It's not your education. It's not your experience. It's not your know-how. It, it says that it, the manifestation of the Spirit to one by the Spirit for to one is given by the Spirit. Who's it given by? The Spirit, the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. 
Word of wisdom is concerning instruction on how to, uh, on something that you have no information on and that you could not possibly know. It is divine revelation to the believer from the Spirit in their situation for them to know what to do. And it's a manifestation, a gift of the Spirit in that moment. Notice you said it's a word of wisdom. It's the key piece. To another, a word of knowledge. Knowledge is when the Holy Spirit gives you divine understanding into a situation. Knowledge is information. Wisdom is application. Did you hear me? Knowledge is information. Wisdom is application. And it's a divine gift given in the moment to the believer who needs it right then. To another, faith by the same Spirit. There's a gift of faith. I've I, I got to hurry quicker than I'm trying. I've got to hurry. But I need you, if you don't understand this, you need to understand these things. See, there, there's the faith, there's the measure of faith that's given to every man. How many of you know the Bible says that he's given to every man the measure of faith? That is what is innate in you that knows there's a God and knows that you can believe, and it's, and it's the faith for salvation. Every man is given it. That blows Calvinism out of the water, by the way. Every man is given the measure of faith. Every man is given the measure of faith. Because the way it said it was coming a time that whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But the gift of faith, the manifestation, the gift of the spirit of faith is a supernatural occurrence where, God, where the spirit of God moves in the believer to be able to believe God for the supernatural. I know people that can believe for astounding things and they see it happen. Listen, I have believed for astounding things that I've seen it happen. That's a gift of faith. When I pray something through, God lays it on my heart, there's nobody telling me it's not going to happen. Because he has confirmed, he has, he has supernaturally by his spirit already shown it to me and confirmed in my heart that it will happen. The gift of faith. To another, the gifts, plural, to another, the gifts of healing. They're not the healer. The Spirit is the healer. Jesus is the healer by the power of the Spirit. Let's say it that way. And he supernaturally, the Spirit supernaturally steps in through that person in a manifestation of the Spirit in a moment where that person operates in healing. Oral Roberts operated for decades in the gift of healing. Smith Wigglesworth operated for decades in the gift. They called him the apostle of faith. And he operated in the gift of healing. That's about sickness and disease and death and dying. It's about when the doctor cannot, can no longer do anything for you, but God in an instant of time steps in and changes your situation and heals your body. To another, the working of miracles. The working of miracles, what is that? You just talked about healing. You think it's the same thing. Now, healing can be a miracle, but all miracles are not healing. The gift of miracles, miracles is about, is about the Spirit of God intervening in the natural course of nature. The gift of miracles breaks the laws of physics. 
The gift of miracle can, can stand outside of chronological time. Joshua needed more daylight. And God caused, the, the Bible says, the Old Testament says, the sun to stand still. Oh, I might mention here that seven of the nine gifts of the Spirit operated in the Old Covenant. Seven of the nine operated in the Old Covenant. To another, prophecy. That is a supernatural utterance of foretelling and or forthtelling. People think of the office of prophet this is not about the office of prophet. This is the gift of prophecy. A different thing. Why am I telling you this this morning on a Sunday morning? Because the Sunday morning crowd needs to know that the gifts of the Spirit are still for today, that they are actually in the Bible, and that, the, and that they are for you and they are for the church, and it, is, and it is the answer that you're looking for when the power of a supernatural God can move in a service, can move in a family, can move in an individual, can, is still allowed to move. It's still in the Bible. The gift of prophecy is a spiritual, sp spirit-inspired manifestation through an individual in a known language. It's not, it's, it's, it's not witchcraft. It's not presumptive. It's not pretentious. It is when God speaks through someone supernaturally in the known language. I read to you from J. Covert earlier to this church from June, a word, a prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. Can we stop here just a second? Discerning of spirits. These are all supernatural manifestations of the spirit that are, that are not out of a book. They're not, they're, not, they're not head knowledge. They're not weird. By the way, let me say it out loud. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. People do weird things in the name of the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost is not weird. He's God. To another, discerning of spirits. This is an incredible gift. They're all incredible gifts, but this is an incredible gift. Listen, this is not the gift of discernment. There's no such thing as the gift of discernment. Look at me. There is no such thing as the gift of discernment. You won't find it. There is no such thing as the gift of discernment. Discernment comes to every believer by the Word of God. You get the Word of God in you. You're, if your mind is renewed by the Word of God, according to Romans chapter 12, Verse 1 and 2, if your mind is transformed by the Word of God and you, and you talk to God, you so what am I saying? If you read the Word and you pray, you will have discernment. It's the only place, it's the only way you can know what's right or wrong and what's true and false. The reason why the world's buying stupid things Dark things, devilish things, the world today, because they're because they're doing everyone's doing what is right in their own eyes, the Bible says. That there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. Whenever we have our, when we decide that, that God is going to honor our opinion, we have left the realm of discernment and we are in rebellion. When we have the word of God in us and we have an open line of communication with God, you will have discernment because you will know what the Word says, and the Word is true, and the Word is settled. You can discern right from wrong. It's the only thing that can. For the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of the sunder of the joints of the marrow, the soul and the spirit, 
That's your mind, that's your mind and, and, and the, 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 the part that knows the things of God. It will divide between your knower and your thinker. Because sometimes my thinker outruns my knower. Soul and spirit. My emotions can lead me if I don't walk in the Word. When I walk in the Word, my emotions are no longer in control of my life. And so the Word of God's living and powerful. It's sharp, and it says it will divide the soul and the spirit. And as a discerner, did you hear that? The Word is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Discernment comes from the Word of God. The gift of discerning of spirits is a supernatural manifestation of the Spirit in your life, in the time that it's needed, in a situation to know what does it do. It's not the gift of discernment. It's the gift of discerning of spirits. The gift of discerning of spirits will manifest in your life, and what it does is it will tell you what spirit is motivating something or somebody. Did you hear that? It will, the, the, the Holy Spirit knows when the devil is looking you in the eyes, smiling at you, and stroking your hair, and leading, and, and seducing you, and you think you found the person of your dreams, but the, but, the, but the discerning of spirits will tell you in your heart, I can't see it, and I don't understand it, but, this is, but they're a devil. The discerning of spirits, oh, can I just, just turn this place upside down just a minute? Discerning of spirits will tell you when somebody just needs to go to the bathroom and when they need to sit down and shut up. Discerning of spirits will tell you when somebody's here to seek Jesus and when somebody's here to disrupt the service. See, the discerning of spirits is a, is a spiritual gift from the Holy Spirit himself the, who is the spirit of truth that Jesus said will guide you into all truth. He will operate and tell you when to back off, when to jump in, when to keep your powder dry, and when to blow it up. And by the way, even in this service this morning, there's a time to keep your powder dry, and there's a time to blow it up. Church is weak today because we have weak pulpits and weak pastors that when it gets hard, they won't teach and they won't stand. But the Word of God is still true. And we live in a spiritual world. You live in a spiritual world. The spiritual world you live in is, as, is more real and more eternal than the natural world that you're walking on. What God has said is more true than what your eyes see and what your ears hear and what your nose can sense and your fingers can touch. See, that's why we walk by faith and not by sight, not by our senses. By the way, what you can see is never bigger than what God said. Somebody needs to hear that. What you can see is never bigger than what God has already said. You can count on him. This is good stuff. You should expect when the and in the, in the environment that we're going in, that we are living in now, you should expect disruption, manifestation, and everything in the middle in the spiritual realm. And you need the discerning of spirits to know the difference. To another, diverse are various kinds of tongues. This morning you heard 
with your own ears and witness with your own ears a supernatural occurrence of, a, of, a, of the gift of the Spirit of diverse kinds of tongues. Tongues means languages. It is a, tongues is a supernatural language given by the Spirit of God, unknown and unlearned to the speaker. The gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is not to be confused with the initial physical evidence of the baptism on the Holy Spirit, which is speaking in other tongues, but they are not the same thing. They're both from the Spirit, by the Spirit, but one is a gift of the Spirit, the other is the opening, hence initial, the first onset of, and it's physical. You can see it, you can hear it. Evidence. It's not, the, Holy, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not tongues. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not tongues. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not tongues. Tongues is the first and physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, according to the Scripture. But that is not the gift of tongues. Languages. The gift of diverse tongues is a supernatural utterance by a believer under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost in an unknown tongue to them, to the speaker. And working with that gift is the gift or the manifestation of interpretation of tongues. What was God saying? But all of these, somebody say all of these, works that one and the self-same spirit dividing or distributing to every man individually as he will. Turn quickly. Turn the page to verse 27. Then we're going to hurry super warp speed. Maybe. Now, you are the body of Christ. Now, he just spent time between the verses we read telling you how that all the parts of the body are important and that every part needed the other part. And he's explaining that because he wants you to know that all of the gifts operate through one spirit but diversely through the body and that they're all needed. Go read it when you get home. Go back and fill in the blanks. It's not hard reading. Just go read it, okay? And then he comes to the the gifts to the church. This was the gifts of the Spirit to the individual. Now he's talking about the gifts to the church. Are you ready? And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, government, diversities of tongues. There's things that come first. Ministry gifts. I I talked about this a year and a half ago. Had to do a lot of explaining to people. You see a lot of nutty things in the church where people are trying. People love titles. People love titles. People love titles. If you don't believe that, get a job at McDonald's and they promote somebody to, to the manager over the fryer. People love titles. People love titles. Apostles, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist is not a title, it's an office. And they, all have, and they are a gift to the church. Oh, I can boldly declare to you that I'm a gift to you. <laughs> Moving on. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are, are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues or speak with tongues? That's the gift of. Do all interpret? Listen to what it says. Verse 31. Last verse of chapter 12 that tells you what the gifts to the church are. Are you with me? But covet, that word there, covet, means to seek. But seek earnestly. We've been told it's not for today. We've been told it's, not for, it's for you, but it's not for me. But the Bible says it's for every believer and for all. 
And it not only says that it's for every believer and for all, but it says for all believers to seek earnestly. It'd been one thing if he just said to seek the gifts. But it doesn't say just to seek the gifts. It says to seek earnestly the best gifts. And yet show I you a more excellent way. Now let me ask you, answer a question real quick. It says to seek earnestly the best gifts. Your question might be, what is the best gift? It says seek earnestly the best gifts. The best gift is the gift you need right then. I don't, need, I don't need a message in tongues if I, if, I, if I need wisdom at the moment. What in the world good is it going to do to me to, 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 to give a message in tongues if I've, got a, if I've got demon possession sitting in front of me and I don't have any discernment to know what they're doing? The best gift is the gift that you need, and you're supposed to earnestly seek it. Now you get into chapter 13, verse 12. Chapter 12 tells you what they are. Chapter 13 tells you that they operate in love. Now this is where people try to say that they've ended, but let's go real quick. If I, if I speak with tongues of men and of angels that I have not love, that I am as a sounding brass, a tinkling cymbal, and though I have the gift of prophecy, it says I have it, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and all faith, you notice he's covering a lot of gifts. Do you notice that? So that I would remove mountains and, and I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and I have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long, is kind, is, it, it, charity envies not, it vaunts not itself, it's not puffed up. That, makes me not, that, that shows me right there when I see these, guys, these, these superstars that are, love their title but they don't love people prancing across the stage that I can that discern you don't even need discerning of spirits you just have discernment to know that they're a fraud because love doesn't vaunt itself and puff itself up in the gifts it does not behave unseemingly it seeks not her own work and is not easily provoked and thinks no evil rejoice not and rejoices not in iniquity and rejo but rejoices in truth bears all things believes all things hopes all things endures all things love never fails but whether there be prophecies oh here it is whether there be prophecies they shall cease they shall fail whether there be tongues they shall cease now, if it stopped there, I might be able to go along with you. But how many of you know you, if you get one, you get it all? It's all context, context, context. Are you with me? Hello? I'm hurrying. You need to know this. So you can come. You know why you need to know this? So you can know what's in the Word of God. So you can come in this place. So you can invite your friends. So you can not be frightened. You can not think your people are nuts. You can, you can not think. And you can get your needs met. You can get your burdens. You can get your strongholds broken. You can get your burdens born. You can get your healing. You can get the miracle. You can see the child come home. You, everything that you need. See, when you, when you walk away from the power of God, you're not getting any of that. So I need you to know it's in the Word of God and that it is set in order by the Holy Spirit in the church today and that it operates in love and it says that love never fails and says that whether there be prophecies they shall fail, that whether there be tongues they shall cease. Oh, but you've got to listen. Whether there be knowledge it shall vanish away. And I want you to know real quickly that the Word of God, it says, one of the things that says that's going to happen before that there's a sign of the second coming of the Lord is there has to be a great increase of knowledge. The same people that will tell you that these gifts are going away will tell you that there has to be an increase of knowledge. And if you lose prophecy, you lose tongues, you also lose knowledge. And if you lose knowledge, you've got a contradiction. And by the way, the Lord can't return. Did I move too quick? What I'm telling you is, is you can't, you can't split this thing up. It's either, you either got it or you don't. Hello? For now we know in part and we prophesy in part. See, it's, it's all what we need at the time. I already explained that. But, that which was, when, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. There's the key to the whole thing. Now, the, now, now, denominational religion will try to tell you that that was, the, that that was when we had the whole Word of God, when the canon of Scripture was closed. That's not even the right words. It's intellectually dishonest, church. 
It's intellectually dishonest when you, when, you, when you go to the original languages and when you go see, it's not talking about the, what, that which is perfect is come is, uh, the, is the word of God. It's not. It's not talking about the end of the apostolic age. It says nothing about the apostolic age. Nothing. Nothing. By the way, Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39 will begin to tell you about, the, about, about, about baptism, about salvation, speaking in tongues. And it says, and the promise is unto you. That was the people on the day of Pentecost. And the apostle was speaking. Hello? You're getting the information overload this morning. It'll be archived. You can go back and listen to it. On the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit was poured out on the church, as prophesied by Joel... This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. It's in there, Acts chapter 2. And when he gets to the end, he tells, Peter tells the church that the promise, that's the Holy Spirit. John 14 will tell you that the promise is the Holy Spirit. That the promise is unto you. Now that would be the listener on the day of Pentecost. But then he said something else. He said, and unto your children. That takes it past the apostolic age right there. Because the the teaching is when the last apostle died that the gifts ended. The promise is unto you and your children that takes it past the apostolic age. And all those who are far off, that is in time and in distance, different, different lands, different times, and to all those who are far off, even as many as the Lord your God shall call. When that which is perfect is come will be the perfect kingdom at the end of the millennial reign. When that which is perfect is come will be the new Jerusalem and all the saints of the ages. It will be when the last enemy of death is defeated and death and when old Satan, the serpent, the dragon and death are bound and thrown into the lake of fire forever and forever and it's over and then it said, then it said John saw I saw a city coming down from heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. When that which is perfect is come, that's when all of this will cease. And you know why it will cease? Because now we know in part but then we're going to know. It'll be perfect age. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part, that which is in part shall be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, as I taught as a child, but when I become a man, I put away childish things. Man, I could preach a series on that verse. When I become a man, I put away childish things. For now I see through a glass darkly. Listen to his language. For now I see through a glass darkly, but then... I'll see face to face. Now I know in part, but, when I, but then I shall know even as I'm known. But now abides faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And then it says, follow, verse 14 says, I follow after love, desire the spiritual gifts. Now, I'm going to close it in three minutes. Because I've told you what they are. I've told you that they operate in love. And I'm going to explain to you really quickly that chapter 14 tells you how they operate in order in the church. Chapter 14 is how they operate in order in the church. Because people say, well, Paul said he'd rather that you prophesy. He did say he'd rather that you prophesy. In an open service like this, what in the world good would it do to, to sit around and speak in tongues all day with nobody understanding anything? He says, when I speak in tongues, it's, my understanding is unfruitful, but, my, but, uh, but I'm edified. When I speak in prophecy, everybody can understand, and everyone is edified. But he, uh, but he, but he did not, he said, let me, somebody hear me real quick. Verse 39 and 14, I'll skip to there. Wherefore, brethren, covet, desire that you prophesy, and forbid not speaking with other tongues. But let all things be done in decency and in order. Let me tell you that Paul says in verse 13, that therefore let him who speaks with a tongue pray that he may interpret. If I pray with an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What then? I w-? He said, but what is it then? I will, I will pray in the spirit. I will pray with understanding. He's talking about in tongues and in a known language. I will pray in the spirit. I will pray with understanding. I will sing in the spirit and I will pray, sing with, uh, with understanding. 
Verse 18, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. There is no forbidding speaking in tongues. And let me take care of one more thing for the Pentecostal church because we put the Spirit of God in the back room like he's our crazy uncle. And we let him out on holidays. The gifts of the Spirit are for the church. And they can, he cannot be relegated to a back room. If the Spirit of God is not in charge of the service, then, then he's not even in it. He'll leave. And we, we say, well, we don't want those things on Sunday morning because it will run people off. People don't understand it. People will leave because of, of speaking in tongues. Can I give you scripture? Because let me tell you, your understanding is unfruitful. Your understanding is unfruitful. And your discernment is off. Because the word of God says, Whether, wherefore tongues are for a sign, verse 13, Chapter 14, verse 22. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them who believe, but to them who believe not. Now, i got to admit, that makes no sense to me. It says that the tongues in a service are not for those who believe, but they, are, but they are a sign for those who believe not. That prophecy is for the believer. No wonder the power of God has left the assemblies of God because we've pushed the power of God to the back room and we've made people, caused people to believe that the manifestations of the Spirit were, would run people out of the church whenever the Bible clearly tells you that the manifestations of the Spirit are for the church and for the unbeliever. If you're here this morning, go read these chapters thoroughly. If you're here this morning, you have felt and saw and was not about your spirit. Let me talk about your spirit. Your, your soulless nature, your mind is going, what in the world is going on? But your spirit, your higher nature leapt within you because you knew that the divine presence of the Holy One had came in this place and was stirring hearts and lives all over the place. Your, your, your soulish man, because you didn't have the word, may not have understood what's going on, but I can promise you without fe any fear of contradiction that your spirit understood and that you knew that you were in the presence of something great and something unusual. In fact, the ignorance of the power of God and the manifestation of God and the presence of God is what causes people to fear and to want to run. Which would not be unusual because all through the Word of God, whenever something holy manifested to something fleshy, the first thing it always said was, Fear not. Fear not. Whether it was the angelic host or whether it was a manifestation of Jesus himself, it was because there was an awesomeness about its presence that struck a chord in the spirit of man that caused them to shake and fear inside. And every time flesh met with holy in the word of God, go read it. The first words out of the holy's mouth was, fear not. God doesn't... God has, a, there's a reverent fear, reverence of the holy. But we should never be afraid of the presence of the living God. Because see, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And in his right hand, his pleasures forevermore. Here's what I know about him. Whenever there's a manifestation of his spirit, something has the opportunity to change. What you thought would never turn around will turn around in his presence. You can be healed in his presence, saved in his presence, delivered in his presence, set free in his presence. Anything you need from the power of God when he's made manifest in a service, you can receive because he's there. So he told the, the last day's church, he said, there's a time coming that it'll be perilous times and you go all the way through it and it says that, that there's a time coming when there will be ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of truth. And it says that we'll have an age where that people will have a form of godliness 
It looks like church, sounds like church, sings like church, preaches like church, have a form of godliness. It'll look like it, but denies the power thereof. The power thereof, Acts chapter 1 and 8 says, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. It says that they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of God. To deny the power of God is to deny God. It says from such run... See, when you're running from the power of God, you're running from the wrong thing. When you're, when you're running scared in a, church, in a church and in its presence where the power of God manifests in a place and you run scared, you leave, you don't want to come back. I, mean, I heard about you people, I, I've never, I, uh, and you run. See, you're running, from, you're running from the power of God when you're supposed to run from the denial of the power of God. See, what in the world good does it have? What in the world good does it do to have the form if you don't have the power? What in the world good does it do? I'm not, I'll just tell you, I'm not going to anything that calls itself a church that has the form but doesn't have the power. Because I'm going to tell you, when it has the form and doesn't have the power, you're going to get hurt, you're going to get assaulted spiritually. You're going to get ran over. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to be uh, spiritually uh, abused. Because when you remove the power, you've removed the presence. And all you've got left is dead religion. And dead religion kills. Dead religion is a killer. That's why you're supposed to run. I hope... This morning, I've done an adequate job of explaining to maybe somebody who's never understood, never, never experienced that the power of God, the manifestations of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and the gifts to the church are, are in the Word. It's for every man. It's for today. Operates in love, and it operates in order, and it's for you. Now you have knowledge to discern, and you should never have to fear again. But you can enter into the presence of God where your needs can be met in His presence. Stand with me all over this house. Thank you for bearing with us. Father, we love you. Thank you for your spirit. I want to honor your presence today. Never do I want to take for granted that your power shows up in your service. Lord, we pray that you said it's the hour of our visitation and we humbly accept. Let us get out of the way. Keep continuing to pray through in our heart to submit to your will and to have your will be done in this house today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.